0: Part two of session 30. Let's talk about second density evolution and planetary evolution. Let's begin. In this part, we're going to explore the questions that Don had about second density evolution, which were kind of loose ones within the session, and we are also going to talk about planetary evolution, but not so much in depth, but a couple of questions that were actually uh, intended to be asked in session 29. So Don carried them here, and we elaborate a little bit more on that. So it's not going to go too deep into planetary evolution itself. It's going to give you a glimpse of what uh, the process of evolution, spiritual evolution, is in planetary systems within the galaxy. So it's good to remember or refresh that in the last video, we talked about the mind-body-spirit complex. And the last question was regarding how does the mind-body-spirit complex forms. And they got into the details and so on. So it's going to make sense now why Don is saying what He says, the beginning of this question, which is 30.6, where he says, thank you, I don't wish to cover ground that we have covered before, meaning that they have talked about this before, the previous question about mind-body-spirit complexes, and says, but it's sometimes helpful to restate these concepts for complete clarity, since words are a poor tool for what we do. Just as a passing point, I was wandering in on this planet during the second density I believe there was habitation at the same time-space of bipedal entities and what we call the dinosaurs. Is this correct? Ra says this is correct. Don goes to say, These two types of entities seem to be incompatible, you might say, with each other. I don't know. Can you tell me the reason behind both types of entities inhabiting the same space-time? Ra explains, Consider the workings of free will as applied to evolution. There are paths that the mind-body complex follows in an attempt to survive, reproduce, and to seek in its fashion, that which is unconsciously felt as the potential for growth, these two arenas or paths of development being two among many. And um, there's, um, there's an interesting point here, I think. Don was referring in general to the bipedal entities that existed. So as a mechanism of evolution... Uh, since we are bipedals, and it seems to go into the bipedal form when we go into third density. Um, Don was asking, you know, how come they were very evolved to dinosaurs? I believe that's what that's what the question was. And, you know, we had bipedal forms already developing. And, um, you know, they were both early type of uh, animals or second density entities. And, you know, Ra's saying that the it's it's just one of many like the bipedal uh, or you know the, the the dinosaurs themselves in the way they were developing just two different ways of uh, of developing say the third density entity so there's not much to cover there. I did want to um, think about a little bit when when Don said bipedal because mostly in our science when we talk about bipedal, in the context of evolution we're talking about humans and as far as we know there were no humans developing back then uh back to 100 million years ago or so and i don't think don was asking that specific type of bipedal like hominids like us but mostly the bipedals that existed like i mean classic uh t-rex is or was a bipedal and there were others hundreds of millions of years before that so, re- reptiles, of course. So, I think that's the direction of the question in uh, in and of itself. So, um, I don't think there's much to say there. And, of course, just a reminder from the beginning of the question that uh, Don had. They were talking about covering territory that they have covered before about the evolution of second density um, or the mind-body-spirit complex, you know, coming from second density to third density. So that covers everything that we had now we're going to this is not a question the next question is not a one that um i i would have included normally but um you know i I just thought it was curious there's a couple of questions like this and i just wanted to include this one so let's just go and read it you'll see why you know usually i wouldn't but still it was funny so don says i see A news program I saw a couple of weeks ago raised the question of why the dinosaurs vanished, you might say, from our planet suddenly. I know this is unimportant, but I just wondered what the reason was. And Ra says, these entities could not feed their body complexes. So, uh, you can tell that Ra didn't want to answer this question, or not answer, but not elaborate on the (laughs) the answer itself. and it almost feels like, you know, when you, you get asked a question and you don't want to talk about it and just give like a very blunt or short answer. So <laughs> it feels to me that Ra answered this like, um, yeah, thank you. These entities could not feed their body complexes. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me reading it, but it sounds like they gave the obvious answer. Like, you know, we know that they couldn't feed themselves I mean, the rain theory is that there was a meteor that crashed and, you know, that changed the whole ecosystem, temperature, uh, the amount of food that was able or um, available at that time. So, um, you know, it's just, <laughs> just stated the obvious. Almost raw in many ways, they gave hints onto which questions, you know, were kind of like not in accordance to the law of one. I mean, Don was... Um, uh, he was aware of this. He said, you know, I don't want to get into unimportant stuff, but you know, it's a fair question to ask. So, in any case, <laughs> uh, Don keeps going with um, much more important questions, I think, where Don says in the next one, Now, in Second Density, the concept of bisexual reproduction first originates. Is this correct? This is correct. Then Don says, Can you tell me the philosophy behind this mechanism of pro?" propagation of the bodily complex and Ragos say the second density is one in which the groundwork is being laid for third density work. In this way it may be seen that the basic mechanisms of reproduction capitulate into a vast potential in third density for service to other self and to self. This being not only by the functions of energy transfer but also by the various services performed due to the close contact of those who are, shall we say, magnetically attracted, one to the other. These entities thus have in the opportunities for many times of service, which would be unav- unavailable to the independent entity. Okay, first clarification. When they're talking about bisexual reproduction, uh, theres they're not talking about bisexual in the sense that an entity is attracted to both genders, they're talking about the bisexual reproduction of male and female, so this is going to be more important I believe in um, next couple of sessions or in session 32 33 around there when we talk about um, sexuality in general and attraction of male and female, biological male and female, but it's important to just start mentioning that here that when they say bisexual, they're talking about the uh, combination of the biological male and female entity to for reproduction. So uh, then the question is, you know, how is this mechanism important for uh, for growth, for spiritual growth? And Ra saying that obviously second density is the groundwork that is being laid for third density work. So essentially, just like in third density, we have the uh, the groundwork for doing four density work, which is love and understanding. And we are uh, sort of exploring that. We're starting to feel that. We're starting a little late, I might say, <laughs> in our society. But uh, that's the purpose of third density. Second density is the same way. So the work, third density work, is seeing others as self and uh, other self, which is. Seeing that, that there is a similarity between us and that kind of recognition. and They say also, this being not only the function of energy transfer, that's an important one because energy transfer is, um, say, um, in the various services performed, they're talking about the energy transfers at least from uh, first and second chakra or energy centers where is, you know, the, they're talking about the bisexual reproduction, the, the act of, um, of sex in itself. We explored this in session 29, no, 26 at the end, I believe. So actually, no, it's an addendum. It, it is in session 26, but I made an addendum in this series. So we cover uh, sexual energy transfer, and we went through all the energy points. So notation over here and um go watch that if you want to for energy transfer but they're talking about just the lower energy center uh, energy transfers so this means the reproduction itself then the um or the basic reproduction and then the orange energy center which is uh, recognizing the the other as um as a mate say you know for for survival so these two, in its more basic um, definition. So it's not only that, but also that this all this this allows. If you think about it this way, there is a red energy transfer, right, which is random for reproduction, whether it happens or not. Then there is the mating in uh, orange, and then the work for yellow in the second density in the animals. Say um, it starts creating for for yellow ray activation. Or yellow ray realization, because in the bisexual reproduction you have to get close and kind of uh, develop that relationship with the with the other self, with the other animal, and that you know creates. I think the best way to um, to visualize this is you know independent entities, like they're saying, which is unavailable for them. Um, independent entities don't have the need to interact with the with the other self, with the other, you know, like um, being. So uh, mammals, on the other hand, say like a reptilian. Reptilians don't have that connection, at least not the majority of them. And mammals do. Mammals are actually at the top of second density, I would say. And this is just my interpretation. I think mammals are at that point because, and you see that in mammals, you see that they are more caring with their offspring and with others, some of them may have a better pairing, you know, with their mates. Uh, not all mammals, of course. There is, there's always difference. I, uh, that's why I don't like to put categories. But you see that more. There is a preponderance on on mammals to express more what we know as love or that feeling, that caring. I'll never forget when I watch years ago a documentary about elephants where. They, you know, they do their whole migration and uh, seeking water and so on. And sometimes they would find like uh, um, bones or the uh, the remains of elder elephants that die there, and they actually stop there and they they almost like pay their respects. Press F to pay respects. So they stop and you know they there is sort of like a, a mourning going on. After years that this happened, so they kind of recognize what happened there, and also, I mean, heartbreaking to see like sometimes um, the same elephants having to leave their offspring because they know that they won't survive. Oh my god, that broke my heart. Um, just seeing them uh, leave them because they have to continue, you know, with the pack. Otherwise, they would, uh, they were, they would be, you know, left to die with the offspring. So they have to leave it and. You see the interaction between the, um, the, the the baby elephant and the mother and it really is like, I mean, I wish I didn't watch that because I just don't have the heart to watch that. Uh, but in any case, it just shows, you know, that connection that it exists there, you know, where in other entities doesn't exist. So that kind of development which uh, within the, the race of, of the animal or the second density in general some birds may have this too um, you know that's that's really what makes the work for for third density so it's creating that connection with other selves or to the self um, so I uh, I don't think I left anything uh, We're gonna explore a lot more magnetically attraction or magnetic attraction as they said. Um, They said magnetically attracted, but that's going to be explored more. And Like I said, I think it's 32 or 33. And yeah, so let's go to the next question where Don says, Was the basic reason, the original reason for this then to increase opportunity for experience of the one creator? Is this correct? is going to say, this is not merely correct, but is the key to that which occurs in all densities. Of course. Um, I mean, this, what Ra, um, what Don said, and the original reason to increase the opportunity for experience of the one creator, this whole creation, everything that happens here is for the creator to know itself and experience itself. We are obviously just one um, hologram of the whole creation here experiencing ourselves, and that is the point. So that's what Ra is saying. It's like, this is not... ...merely the point, but it's like the point of everything, you know. I um, forgot how they said it. I went a little further. Um, that which occurs in all densities. Yeah, so essentially everything. Everything is the experience of the creator. So uh, it's a good emphasis there. So Don says in the next question... Does the process of bisexual reproduction or the philosophy of it... ...play a part in the spiritual growth of second density entities says in isolated instances this is so due to efficient perceptions upon the part of entities or species for the greater part by far this is not the case in second density the spiritual potentials being those of third density I and mean, once again we're getting in the um uh the point of third density work the bisexual reproduction may have uh, a part as we're going to see now in this question which uh, Again, it's, it was one of those questions that I normally didn't include. Actually, I decided to include it at the end, like just before recording, because I said, you know what, it does uh, elaborate a lot more in this question, so we can get into that. But essentially, Don's question is, um, what, what is the, does this mechanism of bisexual reproduction helps in the spiritual growth of, you know, for achieving third density? And Ra says, you know, in essence, that sexual reproduction, in this case, it's it it contributes a little bit, but it's not for the greater part. You know the 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 catapult, the catalyst, the experience that um, accelerates that that growth. But rather is you know it's just a, it's a small part. But it's it's the experience of third density. Those experiences of third density, like we have said with pets, um, that really uh, speeds things up or creates that that specific growth. Um and like I said, samples just like you know interacting with uh with the pack or um with the with the group with the I was gonna say tribe but that's their density already. <laughs> so okay so the next question is about their uh cat at L N L Research called Gandalf. So Jadon so says I was wondering if the male cat Gandalf has benefited from uh, by that mechanism in some way or by other mechanisms in increasing spiritual potential or understanding Ra explains we examined this information and find it harmless the second density entity sound vibration gandalf is a rare sample of its species due first to previous individualization secondly due to a great amount of investment in this particular life experience this is the greatest catalyst in this entity's progress so uh, quick pause here. Again, they're asking for their cat back then in 1981 at Illinois Research. They had their um, their they had a couple of cats, and they, they Donna wanted to know a little bit more about um, about how this you know, this helped. And Rai is saying that um, Gandalf in I, I love the name by the way. Big nerd here Lord of the Rings. You can probably see my game here. What of the Rings Online <laughs> is a rare sample of its species due first to previous individualization. So, this this cat was special because um, not only did it have an individualization in previous uh, uh, lives, say incarnations, same thing, um, but secondly, due to a greater amount of investment in this particular life experience. So, the uh, the caring and love that they gave uh, Gandalf in. Uh, at LNL Research, greatly um, invested that uh, that growth, that spiritual growth on on the cat, and they say this is the greatest catalyst in this entity's progress. So what they have had here um, in you know in what, what they had there actually, so that amount of love and investment that they had and the caring for the cat, that's really what made it you know for for the cat to have. Uh, great uh, advance, growth in, in spirituality to uh, to realize the self, so it can graduate into third. So that's just a beautiful example of how they treated their cats, and uh, they go to expand a little bit more, which is uh, interesting. They said it is very unusual, as we have said. However, the experiences of bisexual reproduction, uh, which were of the nature of the entity Gandalf, were to a small extent of spiritual benefit. Due to an unusual relationship with another entity, this also what you call a cat. This entity also being of an unusually third density orientation or investment from previous life experiences. Thus, the formation of what you could be seen or what could be seen to be recognizably love did exist in this relationship. So, this sums it up perfectly. And um, they're going into now the mechanism of bisexual reproduction, which they say that. Um, This is very unusual that it happens, you know, the vast majority of animals out there don't have um, humans investing their love, caring, and also individualization through the mechanisms that we provide to them of, you know, we are here for you, we are taking care of you, you need to ask me, and I provide, and that sort of interaction that we have, but um, I say, however, the experiences of bisexual reproduction, and we're talking about the specific case of Gandalf, uh, nature of the entity Gandalf were to a small extent of spiritual benefit because of the unusual relationship that it had with another cat this cat again was very special <laughs> it met another cat which had a sexual life with that in this cat was unusually also um, oriented towards their density so it was pretty advanced and the the, the relationship that they both had, greatly accelerated to more than usual uh, Gandalf so Gandalf was a very lucky cat <laughs> so uh, they say that's the formation of what you could be seen to be recognizably love did exist in this relationship once again you know we're seeing the uh, interaction of love the finding of love and which is really what creates the evolution of anything it's, it's love from first second density all the way to seventh density it's like unequivocally love so this was present there, and um, that really helped the cat. So, props to uh, to Gandalf, pretty good cat, and uh, and really good consideration for uh, Carla, Jim, and Don for taking care of Gandalf. I'm sure, Gandalf now it's a it's a human in this mess now. So, let's send our love for Gandalf. All right, next question. Don says thirty fourteen. Can you give me a brief history of the metaphysical principles of the development of each of our planets around the Sun, and their function with respect to evolution of beings? Really good question now. So Ra says, We shall give you a metaphysical description only of those planets upon which individual mind-body-spirit complexes have been, are, or shall be experienced. You may understand the other spheres to be a part of the Logos. We take the one as Venus. This planetary sphere was one of rapid evolution. It is our native Earth, and the rapidity of the progress of the mind-body-spirit complexes upon its surface was due to harmonious interaction. Very well. Now we're going to take a trip on the solar system, on those planets that are important for evolution, or entity evolution. First of all, there's a little bracket there. Every time there's brackets is because... um, Whoever was the editor, I believe in this case, was Toby Willock or whoever was working with Toby Willock on the re-listened version. This is the raw contact, actually, one that I use. Um, but the, it's it's put there for clarification. Because in this case, it would say, the rapidity of the mind-body-spirit complexes, but the bracket says that it's the progress of the mind-body-spirit complexes upon the surface of uh, the planet. So... Um, We're going to take a trip, and we're going to start with Venus. Why? First, let's go piece by piece. They say, we're going to give you a metaphysical description only of those planets which uh, can have, will have, or had, right? Um, Entities, humans, animals, the whole uh, development. You can see, uh, you may understand the other spheres or the other planets to be part of the Logos. Now, how are they part of the Logos is a really good question. I'm not sure. I don't understand. But um, if they are part of the Logos, I may speculate here to say that, the uh, say, Mercury is an extension of the Sun. And, I mean, astrology or astrologers here can go nuts. You know, imagine why, you know, and how this is. I mean, I would love to have an astrologer, you know, um, or astrologist. Go, you know, in detail here, because we're talking about Mercury. You know, Mercury is part of the logos, but it's not a sphere that is um, going to be habited or has been habited by any sort of, you know, second density. So I'm not sure how this plays out. Again, you know, maybe the influence that the planet has on the other planets, or. Um, you know, obviously, every entity here too, which I know kind of aligns. I'm not good at, you know, astrology itself, but it's a, it's a really good thing to know that um, what they're saying, you know, these fears. Jupiter, you know, surprisingly. So there goes Carl Sagan's idea of the hunters and the floaters that were probably part of the ecosystem of Jupiter. Apparently not. <laughs> so sorry, Carl. Um, but yeah, no Jupiter and no. Um, oh, I don't want to see. I'm spoiling it already. We're talking about Venus, so I started with Mercury. <laughs> so Venus, they're talking about how they are. They were from Venus, Ra. If you didn't know, they were from Venus, and they had a very rapid evolution because they were um, very positive oriented, and this actually determines like the character of Ra. They their third density was apparently beautiful, aside from just one thing that happened which is an interesting story that I'm going to tell you here because otherwise it's going to be too long uh, to wait. I think it's in the Session 60s or the 70s. I don't know, somewhere around there. They had a couple of Wanderers who were positive. But they got so invested in Third Density that they became uh, service to self. And they polarized towards the negative so much that they get harvested to four-density negative. And when they realized that they were four-density negative, they said, like, oops, my mistake or our mistake, and they just switched back to positive again. So I guess they were part of Ra um, again. And, yeah, that that was pretty funny. But um, they had a rapid evolution. The reason why is because they, they were very positive, and that's why Ra says that they're pretty naive because they had a long... Uh, they had a very short time in fourth density apparently as well, because of their polarization, their positive and love seeking. And but on the opposite side, they had a hard time in fifth density trying to balance you know all that love with wisdom. So they had lots of learning to do in fifth density. And now in sixth density, it, apparently, the way they are, you know, they 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 were still very naive, and that's why they made this. Mistakes, which they call responsibilities. In our human language, we call them mistakes, but we all know that that doesn't happen in the creation. So, um, yeah, that's Venus. They they had a very fast evolution. That's where they were from. And, um, again, it was because of the harmonious interaction that they had with them. And, like I said, I think it was the population, I forgot what it was, probably like 36 million uh, people. Let's call them people. And if I remember correctly, it was only like 17% of that that graduated at the end of the Master Cycle. And so 6 point something millions of entities graduated to 4th. And then the other, the rest, 82% or so, 83%, they had to go to another planet. Um, So it's not uncommon, you know, that people don't graduate after a first Master Cycle. And this is a you know something good. I'm going more than I probably should on this slide, but um, that's the story of Venus. So, so far as we know from the material, uh, the raw material. So, wanted to leave that in. All right. So let's go now to the next slide, where they say, upon the entity known to you as Mars, as you have already discussed. This is something that we have talked about before. This entity was stopped in mid-third density, thus being unable to continue in progression due to the lack of hospitable conditions upon the surface. This planet shall be undergoing healing for some of your space-time millennia. Curious that they say millennia. Uh, I think it's the first time I noticed this within the context, but millennia, I don't know, maybe the next couple of thousand years or this thousand years. I don't know, this happened approximately 70,000 years ago where Mars was devastated by their own um, warfare and belligerent attitude towards each other, they kind of devastated their their own um, atmosphere. And that's why it became um, unhospitable and... or inhospitable? I forgot. So, those conditions really made Mars um, a barren place. So... If you remember what happened in Mars, then there was Yahweh from the Confederation. Just a little refresher on all the stuff that we have talked about so far. Uh, Mars, the population was taken away um, so they can save them. This was the Confederation entity known as Yahweh. Yahweh took them here, they did a genetic cloning, which was kind of making them more viable to our atmosphere here on Earth. And they changed their genetics for that. Now, this propitiated the, um, um, the quarantine. Or actually, there was a quarantine already, but they timed the quarantine even more. Now, uh, the reason why they had to... Uh, well, they said... Ra says that it was because uh, an infringement upon free will or a abridging free will of the entities of Mars... Which is not really sure what it is, you know, that the the Yahweh did. Maybe because they were, you know, they inter intervene without the Martians actually asking. Um, which you know, it was just, I guess, it was allowed by the Council of Saturn because they they were going to all die there, and it, they were mid third density cycle. So I mean, they were <laughs> they were probably well, they're the same people we have here, so. Um, in that way that they mix with our collective consciousness, we can see why our planet is the way it is. And we're not even talking about Maldic. Um, they don't talk about Maldic in this uh, in this answer, which is interesting. But I think we know enough about Maldic. So in any case, you know, these Martians, uh, they destroy their planet. And they, uh, they were saved, let's call them saved, by the confederation entity named Yahweh. Uh, long story about Yahweh, go check session 16 and 18 or here. Right? Session 16 and 18. I think it is when we talk mostly about Yahweh. Um, and there's some mention in session 24, but just look up Yahweh in um, in my channel. You'll probably see a couple of videos if you if you're interested. And if you haven't watched that of course. So or if you want to refresh it. In any case, Mars, that's what they did. They took them, they put them here. And that was uh, an infringement on free will, or they—they uh, they had, you know, something that caused them to tighten more the quarantine. We'll talk about the quarantine. We've talked about it before, but we'll talk about it more in more detail uh, later. I don't want to keep going, you know, sidetrack here. But the point is that uh, because of that, they were transferred here. And Mars, right now, it's going healing. So it means that in the future, it will have again. Hopefully, you know, a development of second density, third density, and so on. So we have a planet that, after healing, it'll it'll go back to, to where it's supposed to be. So I think that's all I wanted to share about Mars. Other than that, uh, just remember that those entities are still here. I don't think many have graduated, or anybody for that matter, uh, since we've only had in the past 75,000 years... Only over a hundred or something harvested, and they came back anyway, so... Earth is a very interesting planet. Which, they say here, the planet which you dwell upon has a metaphysical history well known to you, and you may ask about it if you wish. Of course, we've known about Earth all along in this material, so... They said, however, we have spoken to a great degree upon this subject. Yes, you have. The planet known as Saturn has a great affinity for the infinite intelligence, and thus it has been dwelt upon in its magnetic fields of time-space by those who wish to protect your system. The planetary entity known to you as Uranus is slowly moving through the first density and has the potential of moving through all densities. Now, okay, so Earth, we know a lot about. We're still here. Hey, you can just... Uh, peek out and see what's happening so uh, but we do know our our evolution already we talked about all that stuff in the previous sessions Um, they say then however okay so to a great uh, yes the planet known as Saturn so we already skipped Maldic which I guess you know we've talked about a lot before but it's curious that they didn't mention it. maybe because it doesn't exist anymore you know they're not giving us history but just what's happening right now and where you know what's going on Maldic no longer exists unless you know somebody wants to piece together all the the fragments of the asteroid belt and uh and the ice comets that apparently were the um, um the remains of the waterland or the water mass of <laughs> of um uh, I think it's a little morbid that i s that I laugh about this, but come on, nothing in this universe is serious nothing is serious, so <laughs> I just think it's funny you know, to see how our solar system has uh, developed. Maldic destroyed, Mars got uh, almost destroyed. They just destroyed their, their atmosphere, basically <laughs> rendering uninhabitable. And then they all came here to Earth to say like, oh, another planet, let's destroy this one too. <laughs> uh, it's not gonna happen. That's why we're here. So, <laughs> okay, so we skipped that, Skip Jupiter. Like I said, I spoiled that already. Um, I'm not sure why Jupiter, uh, again, see, remember from Mercury, Jupiter is an extension. I mean, I'm calling it an extension. They just say it's a part of the Logos, but it is an extension if you see it that way. It's part of the Logos, so what is its purpose? Why is it there? Why did the Logos create Jupiter and Mercury so far? We have other planets or other parts. Um, And then I'll, I'll kind of recap on something that I just thought about. But yeah, Jupiter skipped, nothing there. It won't have, has had, so it's almost like a beacon of some sort, right? And um, yeah, so then the planet known as Saturn has a great affinity for infinite intelligence. So there, there's something odd about Saturn and this is something that researchers, you know, have found like the hexagonal shape at the North Pole, I think, in Saturn, where you can see that, uh, that spot that is hexagonal and something's going on in there that obviously we know that geometry is part of, you know, the creation, but what is going on there, we don't know. Uh, maybe there is something some people have obviously, you know, put some negative connotation. Uh, there's one of the few things that if you know David Icke, I kind of disagree with him in his research about, you know, the metaphysical. Uh, doesn't mean that all his stuff isn't amazing. His stuff is amazing, all his his research and his whole uh, theories are phenomenal, just phenomenal. So, recommend it, David Icke. Uh, but yeah, one of the things uh, I remember him talking about the hexagonal shape. There's something there that is you know, pulling energy, or uh, he went a little far-fetched from my point of view. He could be right, I could be wrong. But in any case, you know, it's it's curious that they mentioned Saturn as you know having this great affinity for infinite intelligence. And it has been dwelled upon its magnetic fields by those who protect your solar system, which is really uh, the Council of Saturn, the people that uh, that are, um, I believe, they're seven density or high uh, mid-seven density at least. They are in that in that uh, in that area, so they they are the ones allowing the Confederation to do work and also protecting um, the the balance between the positive and the negative influences through the quarantine on Earth. So really cool to know that. And the planetary entity known as Uranus is slowly moving through first density. You see, a planet like Uranus um, has this potential. They're, it's moving through uh, first density right now and it has a potential moon through all density. So we have Uranus as being the a planet that we're seeing uh, grow. Now, a curious thing that's happening, and this I attribute to David Wilcock for, you know, uh, making me aware of it, is the um, the climate change that is happening in the whole solar system because of the new energies that we're receiving. All the planets have been uh, changing their their atmosphere or their climate to a degree. And, um, and Uranus is not different. So I, I forgot if it was Neptune or Uranus, but... One of them has some crazy changes in in their atmosphere and their whole uh planet and um i'll have to look up and and see but if if it is urnos you might be seeing an image here and if not then you might be just seeing my hand so right hopefully it is an image and you um um yeah so now we have a planet that we know that is moving through all densities And, again, you know, we skip Neptune and the rest, Pluto um, and the rest of, you know, the shards that exist in the Kuiper Belt and beyond. Um, Then, you know, like the Oort Cloud and so on, part of the solar system. Those are just extension of the logos, I guess, or part of the logos. So that's the exploration of our whole solar system in terms of the planets that have been habited, could be habited, or uh, will be habited or has been, you know, future, past, present, all that stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't think I can add anything else. Oh, I was just gonna say, yes, that, I mean, if you realize that the, the, the logos, the sun, is the, um, um, it's everything all the way to the Oort to the cloud, uh, then all of that is also kind of contributing in some way that we don't understand. Certainly, I don't understand how it's contributing to the evolution of the solar system itself. Remember that the Logos is evolving with this creation. The Logos is not, you know, random stuff happening, and the planets are going, you know, uh, haywire here and there. Uh, the Logos is evolu- uh, evolving with with all of us. So eventually, all of its creation. Has some sort of influence in its own evolution. We are part of the logos, even though, you know, we are we're barely even considering ourselves as part of each other. <laughs> but we know that we are part of the planet. We're part of the logos. We're part of the galaxy. We're part of the whole universe. We're part of the one Creator, and so on. But um, in its own independent evolution, then the sun, uh, I suppose, has only a few planets that that only you know evolve and has entities growing so you know this goes beyond my understanding but it's cool to just picture things and imagine right so all right moving on more questions about this fascinating topic of course you can see how fascinated i am with um with the universe and physics and metaphysics and all this Don says, thank you. I was wondering if any of the other planets had a metaphysical evolution. You stated yesterday that much of this major galactic system dwells spiritually as a part of the Logos. By that, do you mean that near the center of this major galactic system that the stars there do not have planetary systems? Is this correct? Ross says, this is incorrect. The Logos has distributed itself throughout your galactic system. However, the time-space continua Of some of your more central Sun systems is much further advanced and here there's a couple of things that we can we can see and others that we can speculate and I'll I'll point to those so I don't I don't say something that sounds like I you know I'm interpreting something that they said Um, well I am interpreting but not you know you know what I mean I'm not putting you know a meaning to it so again Don is asking if um, Previously they have said that um, much of the galactic system remains spiritually as part of the Logos. Meaning that, you know, it's not visible to us, it's not apparent to us. And you know, Don is saying, like, by that do you mean that near the center of this major galactic system the stars do not have planetary systems? This is not correct, because if we see the uh, the evolution of planetary systems Uniting with the with, with it with its star, with its parent star, and evolving, then um, planets can and will exist, but they will rejoin again with the sun in some way that I'm not sure how it happens. So that's why Ross says the logos has distributed itself throughout your galactic system. Logos meaning the galactic logos. It has distributed itself. However, the time space continua of some, of your more central sun system is much more advanced, meaning that those um, the um, the time space that they are at the stars, the suns that exist near the galactic center are much more advanced. So they have evolved. They have gone through the process of going through all the densities and somehow either going to the next octave or they remain in a uh, in seven density. Something that I, I'm not sure, I, I really can't uh, speculate much there, but just something is has happened in, obviously, you know, this is older than us, In, and in, in they'll say something uh, to, the, to this effect in the next question, so before I get ahead of myself, um, let me just go to the last question we have for this video and the session itself, and Don, you know, Hacks along and says, well then, could you generally say that as you get closer to the center of this major galactic system, that there is a greater spiritual density? I'll use the term, or that this general spiritual quality is advanced at that area. And Ross says, this will be the last full question of the session. as this instrument is somewhat uncomfortable? We don't wish to plead this instrument. The spiritual density or mass of those more towards the center of your galaxy, your galaxy is no. However, this is due simply to the varying timelessness states during which the planetary spheres may coalesce. This process of space-time beginnings occurring earlier, shall we say, as you approach the center of the galactic spiral, we welcome any short... Tape ends, and I'm sure they were going to say, as usual, we welcome any short queries or questions before they... That was their way of saying, all right, we're done. If you want to ask a quick question, ask it now. Most of the time, Don would just say, Alright, I don't want to deplete the instrument. Um, Can we do something to make her more comfortable or improve the channeling? And, you know, the typical ending that I never include here. Uh, So, uh, Okay, so let's untangle this one. The spiritual density or mass of those more toward the center of your galaxy is known. Meaning that they know the spiritual density. Remember, when we were talking about gravity in session 29, um, we they said we don't have instruments to measure spiritual gravity, spiritual mass. But they know. I mean, we mean, meaning us humans. They know. So the spiritual density or mass, it's like measuring uh, dark matter for that effect or dark energy. We know it exists. It's there. But we cannot measure it. We cannot see it this is why I personally associate dark matter and dark energy with those spiritual influences that are present in our our physical you know space-time so they say the that is known towards the center of a of the galaxy however this is due simply to the varying timelessness states during in which the planetary sphere may coalesce so the timelessness states are those um, States in which, say, the planets are, or even the stars, maybe you know, before they are manifested into the octave. So, this is due to that, and um, and the timelessness states because they don't, there is no time, there's no space there. This process of space time beginnings occurring earlier. So, this happened. We're talking about the um, uh, the, the creation of these star systems occurring earlier as um, we approach the center galactic spiral. So, as we know, and this gives us a little bit of hint that the galaxy itself started evolving from the center and it it expanded. I think this is why they said in the previous one that the Logos has distributed itself throughout the galaxy, meaning that it has been expanding. And again, this is just my interpretation of it. Um, so obviously at the beginning, when the galaxy was expanding or um, going moving outwards, those star systems at the center of the galaxy were much earlier than us. So they have gone through the process of evolving that way. Now, um, that is why they remain in a timelessness state now because they have achieved that evolution. Some people interpret this as that they are already in the next octave that is very plausible. Uh, but there's also, to me, the possibility that most of them are, you know, in just states that are not in the next octave, but they are in seven density, perhaps. I'm not sure. It, it kind of makes more sense to be in the next octave. So I, I got to give that to... But I'm not sure. You know, we we don't know. We just don't know what's happening there. But they, it does exist. There's a spiritual mass. And it's part of our galaxy, of course. But, um, yeah, those planets uh, from there... They're just, you know, they, they have already been part or evolve as part of the star system and contribute, of course, to the center of the galaxy, which is really what, you know, the main logos is. The rest is us, you know, becoming different experiences for for, for the one logo. So uh, that's all I got today. And that's how we finish the session, session 30. Uh, like I said a while ago, this book, book two, uh, next 15 more sessions or 18 are going to be shorter than usual because Carla wasn't feeling that well. But we do get a lot of information here. Um, Conclusions is that, once again, we go back to uh, realizing what's our, our main focus here as third density. We've explored the second density evolution that is seeking love. They're seeking that realization of themselves through love. We are in that same position and again I probably say this too often but I don't think this can be stated too often or too much. Uh, We need to seek that love that is in us for relating to other selves if we want to grow spiritually. We don't have to, um, it's just if we want to. So just to keep that in mind, realize as we explore in the last video and in session 30 uh, of course that the mind body spirit complex is it, its purpose is to seek keep seeking and it's beyond the physical it's in the mind and in the spirit that we we, we kind of accelerate this this evolution so um, we can see obviously that the, you know in the grand scheme of things all that matters is that the evolution of the solar system really happens you know and earth, Again, as we have explored, you know, going through the planets on the solar system, we know that we have we have failure. And and this is not to say I don't want it to sound like I mean, I joke about it because it's funny. Um, but, you know, Baldecians or Martians, they are the the cause of, you know, this. I mean, they have contributed for sure. It seems that they have contributed their their mentality towards the collective consciousness, but it is our job, and it's actual, actually, our honor and duty, to, um, and our responsibility too, to transmute all that. We have the opportunity here. We were, we actually volunteered to be here. It doesn't matter where you're from, um, meaning you know, wanderers and star seeds and so on. Um, there's volunteers here to change that, and so complaining about it is just not making it, you know, useful. For, for the evolution of of the planet itself so now we have maldic fail Mars failed and earth to a certain degree is failing in terms of increasing spiritual mass which is the the purpose of this um, of course we have infinite time we can take as long as you know this there's, there's no judge sitting there there's no you know bearded God looking and you know trying to smite us with uh, with, with thunders That'd be Thor but in any case there's no God <laughs> so it's just us and we just know as we become awakened and aware of this reality then uh, we start seeking more the uh, the spiritual type of uh, awareness as opposed to the physical this uh, egotistic um, perception of life so you know it's just it's good to keep that in mind as we read this information and always Always get any sort of information, not only the raw material, but anything, even the news. Oh, who watches the news? I hope you don't. Um, but uh, even the news, yeah, I mean, anything could be can be translated into something that can be helpful. You can see how much I have trouble trying to translate the news into something that is spiritually viable. <laughs> it may not be my uh, my service. Thank God. So, okay. So that's all we got. Session 31, we're going to continue next week. I'm going to divide it in two parts as usual because it's, it has a lot to cover. So that's all I got. Thank you so much for watching. Subscribe if you haven't. It really helps the channel to grow and also to reach more people who might be interested in this. I appreciate you watching and I'll see you in session 31.